On this episode of Blue 58, the Packers don't need a running back, but they also don't not need a running back. So how do you find value at one of the NFL's least valuable positions? That's the challenge the Packers face in this year's draft. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another draft preview episode. Today, as you might have guessed, we're talking about running backs. Running backs are a lot of fun. It's fun to dig into stuff, to watch these highlight tapes, to really look back through the history of some of these guys. Because when you look at positions like running back or wide receiver, even defensive back, you find some wild stuff. One thing I like to do is look at the profiles that each of these guys have on their various colleges, athletic department websites. And usually most of them have a section about what these guys did back in high school and some of their exploits and, and you know, who their high school coach was and stuff like that. And you find some really wild stuff at these positions because generally speaking, your running backs, your wide receivers, your defensive backs, even quarterbacks sometimes are the most athletic guys on the field. And a lot of times they end up playing running back or wide receiver because they're just so much more athletically and physically developed than their competitors that their coaches just put them there and say, just dominate physically. So you'll see stuff like, you know, so-and-so ran for 750 yards and 13 touchdowns in his homecoming game in his senior year or something like that, just wild numbers. And the more obscure the player, sometimes it seems like the more obscure those numbers get. And it's a lot of fun. The problem is, and I think everybody who talks about the NFL and writes about the NFL has kind of realized that running backs as individuals kind of matter less than ever. You still need to have a good one, but who it is matters less and less. It's more about just getting the production that you need out of the position. We saw that in the Rams playoff run. They've got the former decorated college star in Todd Gurley, one of the highest paid, I think he actually is the highest paid running back in the NFL, right up there at the top. You know, chiseled, uh, the highlight reel runs, the highlight reel catches, he can do it all, but he gets a little bit dinged up and suddenly he's on the bench. But the Rams just keep right on ticking with C.J. Anderson, the polar opposite of Todd Gurley. Where Gurley looks the part of a running back, C.J. Anderson looks the part of a former running back. Uh, a little bit pudgy, I think even C.J. Anderson would admit. And really just not what you would think of as a prototypical high-end NFL running back. But because he could execute what the Rams needed him to do, they were productive. That's kind of where the NFL is at league-wide with the position. The physical characteristics matter, but they kind of don't matter. The individual players matter, but also they kind of don't. You really just need to find the guys who will help you execute your vision. And the vision is what's important for the Packers this year more than most. The Packers are implementing a new offensive system this year. You may have heard. So a few things have been going on with the Packers over the last few months. One of those is that they have a new coach who's going to be using a different running scheme than they've used before. When Mike McCarthy first came to the Packers, he was a very zone-blocking heavy offense guy. He kind of got away from that a little bit over the duration of his tenure in Green Bay. But now Matt LaFleur is going to be a lot more zone heavy. And we've talked about that, exactly what that means in the past. 
Basically, it means that all of your offensive linemen are working together to block people in an area rather than specific players. And you need running backs who are able to work off of that, to anticipate where holes are going to open up and cut into them rather than run directly to them. The Packers have two pretty good ones right now. Aaron Jones is obviously talented. I think anybody who watches the Packers play, whether you're an in-depth viewer of football or not, pretty much kind of intuitively understands that Aaron Jones is good. Good things happen when he has the ball. So it really doesn't matter what kind of scheme he plays in. I think he would be successful no matter what the Packers do. Jamal Williams is more the guy who is going to need to set up those blocks to read the holes before they develop and then cut into them. A more classic zone back. And he had a lot of success at BYU doing zone type things. More inside zone than the outside zone stuff that Matt LaFleur says that he's going to run. But still, the concepts are largely similar. Beyond those two... The Packers don't have a lot. They've got a few guys in the building, but nobody who's really uh, I got an inside track at the job, I guess is how I would describe it. And the Packers are probably going to need at least three running backs. They've got Danny Vitale, who played the sort of super back position at Northwestern, and that's fine. But if he plays at all with the Packers in 2019, it's probably going to be as the more traditional fullback. In theory, then, the Packers do have a need. And in theory, they could fill that need in the draft. I wouldn't count on them looking for a prospect before the, say, fourth, fifth round. But they could be in the market. And depending on where they grade guys out, it could be worth it to make a move, especially since they've got a couple extra picks later in the draft. The Packers will probably be looking for a player who, number one, fits that zone sort of scheme, but also could take over a role in the future. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both are fine. And I I mean, I don't mean fine like How was your day at work? It was fine. I mean, fine as in good, excellent. But both of them have had their drawbacks over the last couple of years. Aaron Jones has not necessarily excelled in the area of availability. He either hasn't stayed healthy or he's been off the field for other reasons. Or your coach has just forgotten to play him. An entirely different concern. And one that I have no interest in rehashing. Jamal Williams, meanwhile kind of just is what he is at this point. He doesn't necessarily bring a lot to the table for the Packers, but he doesn't necessarily take a whole lot off of the table either. He's a good pass blocker and he's dependable in that you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. He's not going to screw it up for you. The Packers probably need somebody who can be a little bit of Jamal Williams and a little bit of Aaron Jones. They're probably not looking for redundancy on any a particular player that they would draft. They're probably looking for a guy who can slash and block like Jamal Williams while also being explosive or a just more reliable runner like Aaron Jones. That's a pretty big ask, but it's probably best understood as kind of a balanced skill set. Skill set. The prob- the Packers don't really need one more Jamal Williams 
they would like one more Aaron Jones, but really they're trying to split the difference there. Ty Montgomery at his very best was probably that player. He was a good receiver out of the backfield. He was an okay blocker and he was an okay runner too. He just made some terrible decisions. One really particularly notable one that got him sent out of town and now he's in New York. The Packers therefore do have something of a need here. Not a big one, but they could fill it. Fortunately for us, as nebulous as all that stuff is, it still is fun to talk about running backs, and it still is fun to try to figure out who could fit in in that role that the Packers theoretically have. They may choose to fill it through undrafted free agency, and that's fine. Some of these guys that we're going to look at could be more that that speed anyway. But I think our overall plan still does fit here. We are going to look at five different backs at all levels of the draft. Five different archetypes in this year's class. The best fit for the Packers, the theoretical worst fit, a hypothetical sleeper, a small school prospect, and then a wild card. We are basing some of this around the Packers' athletic thresholds, maybe more so with this position group than others. We're also looking a lot at Dane Brugler's top 100 from The Athletic. We're doing this to try to get a kind of cross-section of the draft, people at all different stages. And we'll touch on a few of the different highs and lows from this class as we go through our five. Starting right at the top, the best fit in this year's draft is probably just the best, I guess I would say it's he seems to be the consensus top or one of the top backs in the draft. That would be Miles Sanders out of Penn State. As far as the Packers are concerned, he is probably the best big school, height, weight, speed prospect in the draft. The guy who tested the best who played at a Power 5 conference school. 5'11", 211 pounds at the combine, a pretty good tester, ran a 4'49 at a 36-inch vertical leap, a good broad jump, good agility numbers, and he sounds like he would be that kind of midway point between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Dane Brugler says he's a reliable pass catcher, but he's got to become more dependable as a blocker and cut down on some of the fumbles. Not necessarily a sudden athlete on the field, but overall, he gets the job done. Lance Zerline for NFL.com says he is more skilled than explosive, but has the size and the talent to develop into a future starter with every down potential. I take issue with the characterization that he is necessarily a good receiver. He may be, but we just didn't see a lot of it. He only had 32 catches over three years at Penn State. Admittedly, he didn't play a whole lot. They did have one fairly notable player taking up a lot of snaps ahead of him in Saquon Barkley. But still, you'd think you'd get more than 32 opportunities. Even when he wasn't catching the ball, he just wasn't super productive. Uh, He either wasn't catching it or just wasn't getting the ball thrown to him because Pro Football Focus said he averaged just .49 yards per route run for his career. Maybe not the the hugest upside as receiver, but maybe he could do a little bit better if he just got the ball a little bit more. Sanders is not a tremendously exciting prospect, and it doesn't seem like there's a Saquon Barkley type player in this year's draft. There isn't a Barkley type player in most years draft, but there isn't even anybody even really close, it seems like, this year. So with Sanders being the top of the class, Kind of tells you a little bit about this class as a whole. But there, while there may not be a great high-end prospect, it seems like there's a lot of those kind of middle-of-the-road prospects. And if that's what the Packers need, they should be able to get one this year. 
The worst fit, I think, for the Packers is a bit of a complicated story. I'm calling Devin Singletary of Florida Atlantic the worst fit for the Packers. But, like I said, this is a little bit complex. I think as a running back, you can be small or you can be slow, but you can't be small and slow. I mean, we've seen running backs who are not the biggest guys in the world. Aaron Jones is an example there, but he gets the job done. And we've seen guys that are not the fastest running backs in the world. Eddie Lacy, for one, but they too can be productive in other ways. Devin Singletary is both small at 5'7 and 203 pounds and slow. He ran a 4.66 in the 40-yard dash, and his three-cone drill was relatively comparable to what Marshall Newhouse ran when he was at the Combine way back in the day. But Singletary also presents a good case study on film versus testing. Everybody who watches the film seems to be pretty high on him. They say he can pass block pretty well. He's the number two back in the class um, when it comes to avoiding tackles on first contact as well. He also was undeniably productive, albeit at a relatively small school. He ran for 4,200 yards in three seasons, had 32 rushing touchdowns in 2017. He followed that up with a mere 22 in 2018. So while the testing numbers aren't there, everybody who watches him seems to like what he can do, and he was a great player, statistically speaking, in college. Something's got to push there. For me, even if he was productive, I'd have a hard time spending a draft pick on a 5'7", 200-pound running back who's not an absolute burner. And as good as he might be, Singletary isn't that. For me, if I'm the Packers, I stay away. He was, however, a major in public safety and administration, which is a new one for me. Maybe there's something there. Who knows? The sleeper pick could be the best physical fit for the Packers in the draft. The Packers have tended towards, over the past two years, running backs that are a little bit more thickly built. You don't see Packers running backs that end up towards the 200-pound mark. Aaron Jones is a bit of an exception there. More often than not, they're above 215 pounds, often around 220 pounds, or like 235 pounds, cough, cough, if you are Eddie Lacy. This year, when you look at thickly built backs, David Montgomery of Iowa State kind of jumps out. At 5'10", 220 pounds, he fits the definition of relatively thickly built. And if you pretend like he didn't run a 4.67 40-yard dash, he sounds like he'd be a really good fit for his own blocking scene. Scheme, excuse me. Dane Brugler says, quote, while exclusive in or ex- elusive, excuse me, in short areas, Montgomery is quicker than fast with inconsist- inconsistent anticipation. More of a checkers runner, not chess. He has off-the-chart intangibles, though, with the receiving and blocking potential to fit multiple roles. Lance Zerline calls him one of the safest runners with the draft or in the draft, likes his dependability and reliability. Uh, calls him an instinctive runner, glides behind his bigs and sets up his blocks. To me, he sounds like the kind of player a little bit like uh, Fred Jackson, played for so long for the Buffalo Bills, never the fastest guy, not even necessarily the biggest guy, but just productive, knew what he was supposed to do, and he was there. And I know that's how all scouting reports sound at a certain point, 
But this guy sounds like the real deal. The real deal in this case being a guy who's just reliable, dependable, knows what he's supposed to do, and gets there. He's also Pro Football Focus's favorite running back in the class in a few key metrics. He's credited with zero drops, a drop rate of 0.0%, tops among running backs, as you might imagine. Top 20 in the class in pass blocking. Top 5 in avoiding tackles, both in elusive rating, their proprietary metric there, and in avoiding tackles on first contact. He's also one of those players that I mentioned earlier who just has the bonkers stat lines from his high school career. Take, for instance, his sophomore season. He rushed for 1,783 yards and 22 touchdowns and also had 685 yards passing and 11 touchdowns as an option quarterback. Does a little bit of everything. And to boot, speaking of those intangibles, he is a literal Eagle Scout. The Boy Scouts may not be the stereotypical um, all-American bastion of wholesome whatever dependability that they once were, if you had told me today that yeah the eagle or the boy scouts haven't been around actually for five years i wouldn't have really been able to counter that Uh, they're not what they once were but still being an eagle scout offers up some sort of stereotypical wholesomeness that is just kind of irresistible in a good way if you had the chance to have more eagle scouts or fewer eagle scouts on your football team i think you would prefer the more Eagle Scouts kind of option. Small school prospect, we get to go to one of my favorite school names in the world. We're talking about Wes Hills of Slippery Rock University. He is also a good prospect in terms of his physical dimensions. At 6'1 and 220 pounds, he was productive at Division I uh, Delaware as well as Division II Slippery Rock for his senior year. He rushed for 1,714 yards as a senior, a school record that includes missing three games as well. He's also a great track and field athlete in high school, uh, had school records in the triple jump and 400 meters and all conference in both of those events as well. Uh, He was the MVP of the NFLPA's Collegiate Bowl, which is a Division II all-star game. Testing numbers on Hills are kind of hard to find. Did find one that had him at 457 in the 40. And the most, uh, not the most reputable number there, so I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into it, but still 457, not super great. But still good size, pretty productive. This one is tough, though, because we've, we've talked about sleeper prospects or small school prospects at all the other position groups. And I think you can feel fairly confident that at a, you know, something like edge rusher, or offensive line, you can be a late bloomer or go a little bit under the radar or or something like that. Running back, that's a little bit difficult. It's a position where you have a really hard time hiding. And it kind of ties back to what I said earlier with those crazy high school numbers and things like that. If you're a good enough athlete to dominate as a high school running back, somebody's going to find you and give you a scholarship. If you haven't done it by now, I have a hard time believing you're really going to explode into an NFL caliber player. Not even necessarily like a Pro Bowl caliber player, but even a guy who can make a roster and contribute on a regular basis outside of somewhere other than special teams. I have a hard time, the hardest time I would say, out of all the small school prospects we've talked about, really giving a whole lot of credence to anybody at running back. I just don't think 
that you can really make the jump, because if you could, you might have done it by now. Let's finish up with the wild card here. My wild card in this year's NFL draft at running back is Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. He might be the most well-rounded back in the draft, at least according to Pro Football Focus. They've got him rated either top or nearly at the top in almost all of their running back-related metrics. He's one of their most elusive backs in the class. He's a very good pass pass catcher, a reliable pass blocker, and he has just gotten it done. He's been very productive as well. Dane Brugler's pretty high on him. He says Henderson faces a significant jump in difficulty level going from AAC defenses to the NFL, but his combination of balance, agility, and run instincts help him gravitate towards space, projecting best in, you guessed it, a zone-heavy scheme. So what's the catch here? What makes him a wild card? Well, he's pretty small. About 5'8 and a half. And 208 pounds, he's even smaller than Aaron Jones and not quite as fast either. Did not test particularly well, Mr. Henderson. But still, like a couple of the other guys on this list, despite his poor testing numbers, despite his less than ideal build in some ways, he was really productive. And if he figured out a way to get it done in college, he might be able to do the same in the NFL, especially if he plays in a scheme that plays well to his strengths. So what should the Packers do here? Do they pick any of these guys? Well, a few of them seem really to be good fits for that like fourth to sixth round kind of range. And if the Packers are indeed confident that they can get value in that range, one of these guys, maybe a Henderson, uh, maybe a Montgomery, would be a good fit. I wouldn't look to them to really push hard after a running back, but if somebody comes to them, I think they'd be more than happy to just check that one off their list. If you can get that position taken care of, if you can get a guy you you like right now, why not take him? That maybe is the best way forward. I know running backs are not as valuable as they used to be, probably as low valued as they've ever been, but you do, do still need some. And if you could get one that you like right now, you might as well get it. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to play the metrics on everything. And besides, after the fourth round, this thing's pretty much a crapshoot anyway. Maybe even after the third round, maybe even after the second round. You might as well take a flyer on a guy that you like. I'd rather have you draft guys that you like because you like them than try to fit something into some uh, analytics-driven thing just because that's what the numbers say. That's not to say analytics are bad. We've pushed a lot of analytics-related stuff. But at a certain point, you just got to get the guys that you like and make sure that you're taking them for good reasons. And needing a third running back is as good a reason as any once you get late into the draft. While I've got you here, I have neglected to mention something very important. We received a whopping total of one email in the last month or so asking us why our podcast is not on Spotify. And as you may have seen on thepowersweep.com, Blue 58 is now streaming on Spotify. We launched this here podcast in June of 2016, and we have finally joined Spotify as of mid-March or so. We've kind of done a soft launch with this, try to make sure that we get all the feeds figured out and stuff like that. But as of today, 
you can now subscribe to Blue 58 on Spotify. And if that is where you would like to listen to this show, you now have that option. We want to make it as easy as we can for you to listen to this show. We think it's worth your time. And, you know, now it's easier than ever for you to spend some of your time with us. What's more, you also have the option of listening to these podcasts on YouTube. We now upload every one of our episodes of Blue 58 to YouTube. You can subscribe there, watch it there on your desktop computer or mobile device if that's what's easiest for you, and you can check out our stuff there. We're also trying to dabble into a little bit of video content there, so maybe check out the Blue 58 and and the Power Sweep page on YouTube. Just search the Power Sweep. We're up there under a couple of videos of Vince Lombardi, and we will climb up that search ranking in the near future. Also, also, you may listen, if you so choose, to Blue 58 on SoundCloud. We will have episodes up there on kind of a rotating basis. There are some limits on the amount of stuff that you can put on a free SoundCloud account. And since that's not our primary way for distributing these episodes, we're not going to spring for the extra bonus whatever account, whatever they call it. We're not going to spring for that. That's just not a good fit for us right now. But if you do like listening on SoundCloud, you will have an option of listening to this show there on a semi-limited basis. But still, it's going to be there for you. And as always, uh, the, the show is available on almost every other major podcast service that's out there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I use an app called Overcast. It's great. It's available there as well, though I don't spend a ton of time listening to my own show. The point is, wherever you get your podcast, Blue 58 is almost certainly there. And that includes Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud now. And we want to make sure that you can get this show into your ears and in some ways, into your eyes as well, because we think it's worth your time. Thank you so much for listening, wherever you have chosen to listen. I do appreciate you downloading, subscribing, sharing, all of those wonderful things. Doing those things are really the best ways to support the show, as well as by rating and reviewing on iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps more people find the show. If you want to support us financially, we do appreciate that as well. The best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash thepowersweep and donate a buck a month to help us get this thing or keep this thing going. You can also support us by wearing our fine t-shirts and sweatshirts, which you can buy by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you've got an idea for the show, you want to say hi, you want to give us some feedback, drop by thepowersweep.com, check us out on Facebook and on Twitter, or drop an email to thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. As always, everything that you do to get in touch with us helps us make this entire operation better and helps us make everybody, including us, smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.